Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of A Writer's Life. I'm your host Dana Wayne and I'm delighted to have as my guest today my good friend and fellow author Michael Scott Clifton. Mike is an award-winning author, a former educator, a coach, a school administrator, and I'm sure such an eclectic background provided a lot of fuel for the writer's mind. Welcome Mike, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay, let's start off with something really easy. How long have you been writing and and have you always wanted to write? Been writing since around 2010. Uh, I've been seriously writing since I retired about three years ago, three and a half, almost four years now. So, uh, uh, and I never really had an aspiration to be a writer for most of my life. and, but, you know, I started going to some writers conference and thinking, you know, uh, these, you know, these, these people I've met like you, for example, you know, successful writers. And, uh, I thought, man, maybe I can do this too. And that kind of gave me an encouragement to get a start. Cool. Cool. Well, now do you consider, consider your books to be plot driven or character driven? You know, um, there, it's really one of those things where you split the baby, mm-hmm. uh, but I have to say that you have to have a plot, a general idea of your story, you know, to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that I've had some some books that I thought of a character that uh, you know a plot would easily, you know, you could build a you plot easily. Build around. it around the character, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I would say more often than not, you know, you, the plot comes first and then you, you fill it with characters. That's cool. So, um, describe your typical writing day. Now, are you someone who writes every day? Do you have a regimen that you follow or is it just when the mood strikes you? Um, I get, when I get up in the morning, um, of course, after I've, I've had some coffee. <laughs> Got to have the goat yes, juice. Yes. <laughs> uh, I like to write for two or three hours, uh, especially in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you, you know, I like to mess around in the garden, put around the garden. Uh, but when, you know, we transition from winter to, you know, mid to late spring, all the way to mid to late fall, I generally do it more in the afternoon because, as you know, here in East Texas, you're going to do anything outside. You need to do it early in the morning. Got to be early in the morning is right. Well, you know, I found, yeah, I found that my most productive time is in the morning. Uh, Even, you know, I tell Bud, you know, it's like uh, once the thread dries up, I have to go and do something else because I, you know, I write for a while and usually by mid-afternoon, it's, you know, I'm done. I have to go do something else. Right. You do do get a little... You do need a break from it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, I've, I've even put this reminder on my watch to make me get up because I can, I'll can. i get behind the computer and be here for hours. And so I'll put a little reminder that says stand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so make myself get up and stand for a while. Uh, so now you published your first book when? Uh, actually, it's 2011, but it was republished in 2018. So I would say 2018 is, yeah. is the start date. So did publishing that first book 
alter your writing process in any way or was that kind of like the the spark that ignited the the creative side of your mind to keep you going uh it actually it actually did because uh the process of getting it published and what went on that's one reason why i got it republished in 2018 you make a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. that you really don't know about even though i've been going to writers conferences and things such as that when you get a book, when your book is actually being published, uh, it does, if you're not careful, it can uncover a bunch of errors that you've mm -hmm. made. Mm -hmm. And that was the case with with me. And uh, and I probably, if I'd obviously go over back and do it all over again, I'd have changed some things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I've noticed that if I go back, because I'll go back and read reread my stuff sometime just for the heck of it. And then I say, oh, you know, I could have done this. I should have done that. Why did I put that scene there? So, you know, I'm kind of like my own worst enemy in that regard. But, uh, yeah, you're right that sometimes when you go back and look at it again, it's like, hmm, I could have done a better job on that. <laughs> Much better job in my case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let me ask you. Now, this is probably like asking who's your favorite kid. But do you have a, a, a special book or one that you favor over the others? Well, that's a hard question, and I'm, again, I'm going to have to split the baby on that. The Janice <laughs> Witch was the first book that I felt that I had written that was a complete book from start to finish. Mm -hmm. It was good. It had great plot. It had good characters. Absolutely. I, I love was, that book. I was pleased with it. I thought that was my first real book that I could say, you know, I was the author of that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that... And I was proud of it because, you know, I'm sure there's some missing errors too, but I felt like that was a good, my best effort to that good. point. The book I had the most fun writing was Edison Jones and the Anti-Grav Elevator, yeah. which is actually a, a, a YA novel for, you know, middle school kids based mm -hmm. on a scientific adventure. Because I was a uh, middle school teacher for years and years, and I was also a junior high principal. So I know that age group real good. So that was fun and probably the easiest book I wrote. Yeah. That was a good book, too. I like that one as well. Uh, now, do you have a favorite character that you've written? Um, the character in the in the Janice Witch, Tressalane, the mm -hmm. witch that loses her memory, was probably my favorite character. And the reason... The reason being is because, you know, uh, and you've read the book, obviously, but mm -hmm. um, I was able to have a bad side of her and a good side of her, two different characters in one. And and I enjoyed that. That's kind of a challenge, but I, I thought I really enjoyed doing that. And it was, I think, I, I, I think I managed to pull it off. In oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the thing, too, is that that was such a stretch for you as a writer to take someone totally evil, make them totally good, and then fill that arc in to where they had to make a decision, which side of the road am I gonna go with? And exactly. yeah, you did a great job on that. That's, and I have to say, that's probably one of my favorite characters too. Well, thank you. <laughs> what, what, what do you think is the hardest part of writing for you? Well, I can't, I'm not one of these writers, Dana, like, uh, 
that, you know, we all know them that can sit down and they can rattle off 10, 15, 20,000 words, mm -hmm. if not in a day, in a couple of days. Uh, I can't do that. And mm -hmm. I'm the kind of writer that will write a sentence and I'll agonize over one word in the sentence that I feel has to be right or it changes the whole, you know, the, the mm -hmm. whole meaning and the whole thrust of what it's trying to say. And that just drives me up the wall because if the word would come easily to me, I could knock it out. But I have to sit there and think and think and think. Yep, been there, and, done that. And it just, it drives me up the wall. And it stops, you know, your progress. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to say that's the hardest part <laughs> for me. You know, I, I agonized over that. Uh, of course, you know, last year was such a crappy year oh, yeah. altogether. There was so much negativity that I found that it affected my creativity because creativity by nature is a positive endeavor. And so I really struggled and, and like you were saying, I would write something and look at it and go, that's just not right. And then sit there and agonize over to the point that I finally just put it down and I quit writing for, for a while. But then I, when I started back, I said, I'm not gonna do that to myself again. I'm just gonna <laughs> go forward. I'm gonna send it to my critique partners and they'll tell me where I need to yeah. where I need to go back. Because otherwise I felt like I was just spinning my wheels because I was going over and over the same stuff. And uh, but yeah, I agree with you. That but that but sometimes you get to that point where there's just there's a point you're trying to make and you need the perfect word for it and you sit there and you try different ones, you rephrase it, you write a new sentence and you go, you know, is it worth it? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yep. That's a pretty good description. That's just like what I was talking about. Uh, you know, writing can be an emotionally draining experience from from happy to sad and everything in between. So, especially given recent events. So, what kind of tips would you give to an aspiring writer who is having issues with letting these some of these external things affect them? Well, I, I think the main thing would be uh, just don't be stuck on an island. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, you have writers groups uh, in, in East Texas, you know, we have three, NetWo, East Texas Writers Association, East Texas Writers Guild. And then you mentioned earlier critique partners and critique team. Mm -hmm. uh, these are all people and organizations that are there to help, to you know, to um, to, to help writers and aspiring authors, mm -hmm. and um, and that's the number one thing I would say is that if you're trying to do it all by yourself, like I started out doing, mm -hmm. and didn't really know what to do when you reached that point where you know you hit the wall, mm -hmm. to have a good critique group or critique partner, to have uh, good writers organizations, you know, as you as you well know. Uh, both you and, and Patty Wiseman and people of, my, uh, people of my critique team like Lisa Simmons and Galen Knuckles have been uh, a measure of help to me because I don't think I could have done any of this, much less publish a book, if I hadn't received their help, advice, and mostly encouragement. I think that's that's a key point right there is the affiliation or the association with like minds with uh, with other writers you know that are in the same boat you are so to speak and having that uh, positive reinforcement and encouragement is I well I know that's I'm like you you know if it hadn't been for the people around me that supported me and encouraged me I would have stopped a long oh, yeah. time ago 
yeah. uh, you know, I, I had a, I went to one of the very first critique sessions I went to was horrendous. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just going to need to be a greeter at Walmart and forget this stuff. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of took it with a grain of salt and said, OK, let me look at this again. And so uh, I did. And it, and it made a difference. But you're right. I think probably and, and now probably more so than ever, because our, uh, uh, you know, no events, we can't do any events right. and can't have writers meetings. But I've discovered Zoom. And so, you know. Yeah. We have our Zoom critiques and Zoom meetings, and while it's still not as good as being in person, you know, it's the next best thing. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I know that you have a, a series that's out. So was it harder to write the first book in that series or the follow-up books? Now, that is an easy question. Okay. <laughs> it is the following books. The first the first book is was far easier because you're setting the tone it, but for every book after that you have to remember all the characters mm -hmm. you have to remember all the details you have to remember all the divergent plot lines and make sure that they're all consistent with what you've already written and I don't I don't know about you or others you know that have written series but uh, it's not it's not hard to 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 make a mistake and not even realize it mm -hmm. and that's again where critique partners and teams come in because sometimes I didn't even realize that I had you know uh, feared off the path so to speak but mm -hmm. yeah keep, and each succeeding book you start off with, with like I have a book series and I'm almost finished with my third book but it'll be four book series first book is easy second book a little bit harder third book harder than the first two <laughs> last one's going to be the hardest of all Probably. I would think that would be I I I would think the the subsequent ones would you you just nearly have to have a um, a, a book with you so you can refer back to it oh, as yeah. you go. Well, well that I reminds do. I keep them right here. <laughs> <laughs> that that reminds me of something else is um, now because you write fantasy type books, the world building part of that is that hard for you or does that just like second nature to know the the landscape and the language and the customs and things like that no the world building's actually very easy because you know i've, I've got a very good imagination and uh, you know when i i wasn't as good a student when i was in you know a uh, public school student myself because my i would daydream all the time you know so to speak so i've got a good imagination the world building's easy mm -hmm. now getting the world building onto paper mm -hmm. and condensing it into a uh, into the words that a reader can understand so they see the image you want them to see mm -hmm. uh, that's part of the challenge of you know and and doing it in a way particularly with fantasy because if you are spending 50 to 100 pages on world building mm -hmm. and you haven't moved the plot forward you will lose the reader after about the first dozen or so pages and mm -hmm. that's a big mistake that i try to avoid so um, so the world building is easy actually getting it described in the way i want it to uh, not so much. It's a little bit harder, you know, to get it right. Well, I noticed that because uh, my latest book was a, uh, a Western. And so I did a lot of research on Western towns because I, I didn't have a picture in my mind of what this place looked like. And so I kind of 
said, okay, you know, I just drew off on a piece of paper. Here's my street, and so here are some of the buildings. And then Bud comes in, he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to figure out what my fictional town looks like. And he said, well, can't you see it? And I said, well, in my head, but I can't see it enough to put those words on paper. And so do you do that with your worlds? Do you have like a, a, a cheat sheet or something that says, you know, this is how this is set up? No, no. Uh, again, I've already got it pictured in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being a, a, a pantser, mm-hmm. okay, uh, you know, I'll start writing, I'll start writing it down. And then sometimes what I had in my head will change a bit, you know, mm-hmm. from what then I'm they're done that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it sort of evolves into, you know, you have the general idea, right? And then when you get down to nuts mm-hmm. and bolts and stuff, you know, that's one of the advantages of being a, a pantser writer is that, you know, you have the prerogative to change your mind Yep. <laughs> and make it better, hopefully. <laughs> or sometimes you change your mind and you forget to go back and change it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then, and no. then your reader, your beta reader says, "Okay, on page eighty, you said this, but back here, you said this." Right. Yeah, I've yeah. done that too. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you do when you're not writing? Well, I mean, besides being an awesome gardener, which I, I know you love to do that. Well, I'm on the Ch- Chapel School Board. I I was a uh, teacher, a coach, and administrator at Chapel for 38 years. Only school I was ever at. And it's a, it's a school around Mount Pleasant, it's Conference 3A school. So now I'm on the school board. And I've always loved basketball, high school basketball. I was a basketball coach. So, you know, I follow our teams, go to the games. You know, I'll even go up there. We have a little dribbler program on Saturdays and I'll even watch the little ones play, you know, because, you know, I just, I like, I love the game. And I love to go to, to movies, although as we all know, since COVID, it's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Our movie theater didn't even open back up until about a couple months ago. I didn't Nothing know there was some open now. There's a few, and with one showing maybe, you mm-hmm. know, a day. But uh, I love to go see movies, and I like to read. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm think I'm pretty confident of this, saying this that, you know, for every behind every author was a was a reader first. Oh yeah. We enjoy reading, and I still like to read. And sometimes it interferes with my writing, but I continue to read. And uh, like I said, I like to go to basketball games, uh, work with my with the school on the board, and uh, as well as uh, you know other cool. activities. Cool, cool, very civic-minded. Um, okay, are you going to have jalapeno peppers this year? I will have. Probably Tabasco and uh, see Tabasco peppers and uh, cayenne peppers. I may grow some jalapenos. I don't know. They my peppers run uh, feast or famine. <laughs> you well know. Yep. Yeah. So either really good or really bad. There's no in between. I don't. I, just, I don't want to understand it. That's what it I know. I had I had three plants last year and just had peppers galore. The year before I had two. So, so you know, I'm down to one jar of hot pepper relish. So, I'm just gonna have to find me some more jalapenos this year. I'll fix you up this coming year. All right. <laughs> now, I've known you for a while, but I found some neat facts on your website that okay. I didn't know. So, share some of those with our listeners. Well, I, uh, I believe it or not, I was uh, in a Baskin Robbins commercial. 
when I was about 11 years, 10 or 11 years old. My mother got me into that. I don't, I don't remember any of the details, but it was an actual TV commercial. And I'm holding this, you know, it's 31 flavors on a, on a ice cream cone. And they've got a dowel that mm -hmm. goes to the middle of them, you know, and they're, you know, dry ice are all frozen. But anyway, I'm holding this, it's as taller than I am <laughs> at that point. I'm holding this ice cream cone. So I did a commercial for Baskin Robbins 31 when I was a kid. And um, I was, uh, everybody knows who Shaquille O'Neal is, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Hall of Fame basketball player. Well, one of the things that I do is I haven't missed in probably until this will be the first year. I've been going to the state basketball tournament here in Texas uh, every year since 1989. Wow. First year I went with a friend of mine the place we stopped to eat, the San Antonio Colt school bus, which is where he was a high school student at the time, got uh, pulled in behind us. So we go in, it's kind of a buffet style thing at first before you order the, the steaks. It's like a Western Sism place. And the team gets out. Well, the next thing I know, the, the tallest, biggest human being I've ever <laughs> seen in my life is standing right next to me in line. And I look up and it's Shaquille O'Neal. And How cool. he was 16 or 17, but let me tell you, he was mean looking then and he was big and tall. <laughs> so I can see where he was mean looking in a nice way. Right, right. He was a bad looking dude, even right, then. Right, right. <laughs> well, cool. Okay, tell our readers where they can connect with you, where they can buy your books and that kind of stuff. Well, obviously, Amazon. All ebooks and paperbacks I have on Amazon. Draft to Digital, I have uh, several paperbacks on Draft to Digital. If you go to my website, which is www.michaelscottclifton.com, uh, it has all of my social media links at the bottom of the page, and it also has the buy sites that you can go to uh, to get the books as well, including Amazon. And I also have a Square store. Uh, on my website where if you would like an autographed paperback copy, you can get an autographed paperback copy as well. And finally, um, uh, I have my first book on Audible, which is The Janus Witch. Oh, I saw that the other day, yeah. It's on Audible, it's on uh, Apple and uh, iTunes. Cool. So you can you can get and then the Treasure Hunt Club is in the final stages of being released. Probably the next month it'll be on Audible on those same sites as well. Awesome, awesome. So anything else you'd like our listeners to know? Um, just it's you know it's I've enjoyed reading and I appreciate uh, friends and fellow authors like you that uh you know that we can support each other and 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 i appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast and i i know that uh you've got some you've had some interesting guests and you've got more in the future so I, people should stay tuned in thank you i appreciate that well thank you for being here today mike now tell me do you have a new book coming out soon or where are you uh, i do um i have a fantasy series called the conquest of the veil mm -hmm. i had first two books have been published. The Open Portal is book one and Escape from Wheel is book two, which was released uh, September of last year. Mm -hmm. And the third book, A Witch's Brew, will probably be out sometime in April. Cool. Uh, it's, uh, 
it's you know how it is when you get your book published you know the book cover and the mm -hmm. uh, editing and all of that so i can't predict when exactly all that'll be finished but i'm assuming it'll be sometime in april cool and that'll that'd be, be the third book in the conference now series. now the veil series is that just going to be three books or is that going to be four yep there will be four okay. that's the third of four books and the fourth book will probably be next year as well you know january february of next year cool. i plan on taking a we break you know, <laughs> once I get this one done before diving back in again. Well, I've noticed myself that, you know, once I finally hit the end and I set it aside and wait for the edits to start, that there has to be a period of regrouping before you can pick back up again oh, yeah. because, you know, you're, you're changing directions, you're changing your thought process, your focus, and that, that takes a little bit of doing. Sure does. Well, thank you for being here today, Mike. It's uh, good luck to you on the new book, and we'll be looking for that coming out in April. So, folks, be sure to follow Mike on social media and check out his awesome new website, too, at michaelscottclifton.com. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Until next time, happy writing. Thanks so much for listening to a Writer's Life podcast today. I do hope you've enjoyed the show, and I greatly appreciate any feedback and support. If you have a topic you want me to talk about, just drop me a comment or email me at danawayne423 at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. All of my books are available on Amazon, Books to Read, and all major online outlets. Hey, and you can also order signed copies as well as other swag through my website, danawayne.com forward slash order. I hope you'll follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next episode.